This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm Rochelle Travers, and this is The Leader. Could one of these people be the next mayor of London? I want young people to have hope. As a mayor of London, you can do that. I'm offering a return to what I'm calling the London dream, this idea that we can live in a fantastic city. We need to be more direct with Londoners and and anybody if we're a politician. You've got to connect with Londoners. We now have the shortlist of hopefuls vying to be the Conservatives' next London mayoral candidate. London Assembly member Susan Hall, tech entrepreneur Dan Korski and barrister Moz Hussain. The winner for the candidacy will be announced on the 19th of July. They will then go up against the current London mayor, Sadiq Khan, in May 2024's election. Ross Lydell, the Evening Standard City Hall editor and transport editor, has sat down with all three of the candidates. And in this episode, we'll hear clips of each of those exclusive interviews. Ross joins me now. Ross, first up, we're going to be focusing on Moz Hussain. Just explain who he is and what are his key policies. So Moz Hussain is a King's Council, uh, a leading barrister. He's a criminal barrister. He has defended murderers and people accused of terrorism and many other offences. And he essentially emerged out of nowhere. He was, if you like, the stealth candidate when the shortlist was announced of the three runners and riders a week or two ago, Mozzie's name came by something of a surprise. But when he came into the Evening Standard studio, he gave the most remarkable interview. Uh, he broke down in tears halfway through when I asked him what had inspired him to stand for the Tory candidacy. Uh, he uh, is quite an extraordinary individual. Certainly, uh, it was one of the more remarkable interviews I've ever done. And I've been a journalist for 30 years. And I can't recall anybody breaking down in tears like this uh, at such a, an event or during a political interview, at least. And we can hear a clip of your interview with Moz now. Moz, thank you very much for coming into the Evening Standard. Welcome to the studio. Um, let's ask you first, who are you? Thank you. Thank you for having me, Ross. Who am I? I am Moz Hossein, as you now know. Of course, nobody knew who I was. Uh, I'm a criminal barrister and a king's counsel. I wasn't born in this country. I was born uh, in a village in Bangladesh, in a wooden house, mud floor, tin roof. I didn't own shoes until I was uh, uh, 16, but by the age of 21, uh, I was studying law in the UK. 
Can I explore first your path to the UK and your path to become a King's Counsel? Uh, you studied law in Liverpool, is that mm-hmm. correct? Yes, I, I was there for four years and then I um, came to London yes. in 1999 to do the bar Yes, and then I've been here since then. And may I ask now, are you now a British citizen? Or? Yes, yes. So since uh, 2009 was one of my uh, proudest moments. When was it that you decided to run? It was after my mother died. My mother was my biggest pocket of love. My life changed forever after she died. Her whole life has been about sacrificing for others. She gave us everything. And often, after feeding eight children and a husband, there'll be nothing left, just rice. Everything she gave for us. And I wanted to make her proud. And I wanted to change life on a grand scale. It's one life we have. And I want to be able to say, look, I've tried. And I want her to be proud. I've seen what lack of opportunity, lack of hope can do in my job for 21 years. I want young people to have hope. As a mayor of London, you can do that. Change lives. That is my motivation. I'm not a politician. That's what I want to do. You're a King's Counsel, which essentially means you're one of the smartest <coughs> lawyers in the country. You tackle or you defend clients accused of very serious crimes, murder, terrorism, and so on. Would you like to use your forensic skills to cross-examine Sadiq Khan and some of his policies? I think I'm the candidate Sadiq Khan would worry about before he goes to sleep, because he knows that I will litigate the case against him and win the argument. I'm the only candidate against whom he cannot use any attack line. Only I can defeat Sadiq Khan. Now, Sadiq is due in court next month. He's due in the High Court. His ULA's expansion plans are going to be considered by the High Court. A judicial review has been brought by yes. five Tory councils, essentially saying that the consultation that Transport for London carried out was flawed and didn't consider a number of arguments. Yes. Can you see grounds where the High Court could find against the Mayor? Mr Khan is doing this as a tax-raising measure. Because his own tearful report said it will have negligible impact. It is destroying lives in outer London. We all know that. And I promise you this. If I defeat him, I will turn off the cameras on day one. Let me look at the yes. counter-argument, though, because how can you justify allowing somebody to drive into inner or central London with a more polluting vehicle? Why should they be allowed to drive an old banger, and pollute the lungs of young children? You know, do you deny that 4,000 Londoners die prematurely each year because of the poor air quality? As I say, we all passionately believe in better air. But you have to deal with it during the worst cost-of-living crisis. Look, I have seen what a struggle means. You know my backstory. I've lived in most parts of London in appalling conditions. I'm the real London story. Every Londoner, either they can relate to me or they recognize my life struggle. And I will find ways, find ways to make the London air better. But this is a punishing, a cruel measure during the worst cost of living crisis. Let's go to the ads. Stay there to hear more exclusive interviews with the other Conservative mayoral candidate hopefuls, Susan Hall and Dan Korski. 
Why not hit rate and follow in the meantime? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. Still with me is Ross Lydell, the Evening Standard City Hall editor and transport editor. Next up, we have Susan Hall. She's the most established Conservative out of the three candidates, isn't she? Yes, Susan Hall is, if you like, a bit of an old school Tory. Uh, she would have probably fitted in very well with the party back in the time of Margaret Thatcher. She said the other day that uh, Margaret Thatcher is one of her heroes. She's a grandmother. Uh, she still runs a small business. Uh, she once was taught by her father how to strip a car, how to take an engine apart uh, back in the old days. And she's a very sort of matter-of-fact Tory, a real sort of common-sense individual. Her big focus is on crime, on keeping London safe. Uh, she's a member of the London Assembly. She has been a leader of the Tory group on the London Assembly, the body that essentially scrutinises the mayor. She's, uh, if you like, she'd, a kind of figure who probably appealed to the Tory heartland vote in the London suburbs. And here's what she had to say. Susan, why do you think you're the right person to be mayor? Firstly, it's the best job, in my view, in, in the world. But if you look at London, it's in such a mess at the moment. We've got our police in special measures, as well as our fire brigade because of cultural issues. Crime is a massive issue if you knock on people's doors. That's really got to be sorted out. But if you look at the finances of TfL, that's in a complete mess. And we're in a housing crisis, there's no doubt about it. Young people must look at it and think, my God, I'm never going to be able to afford to buy a, a house here, let alone a home, because we're, we're building one and two bedroom flats. We're not building homes. What is it about your style or qualities as a politician that you think would appeal to Londoners? I would hope it would appeal to Londoners. I tend to say exactly what I'm thinking. That may or may not go down very well. I don't know. It's, it is how I am. I believe that if we don't know the answer to a question, you should say, I don't know, and I'll find out. And I think we need to be more direct with Londoners and, and anybody if we're a politician. You've got to connect with Londoners. I love talking to people. I want to be able to put problems right. And I, I just think I can do that. Now, some Londoners will know you from the London Assembly. Others will know you from social media. You're Councillor Susie on Twitter. I am. <laughs> uh, you're a very prominent user of social media. Other posts that you have made that you perhaps regret now, looking back, or now that you've 
decided to stand for the party's candidature? Oh, yes. Um, I have said things that I know are wrong. And I knew that before I wanted to stand for this. Sometimes you do something and you say something and then it's pointed out to you that actually possibly that wasn't very kind or that wasn't accurate. And you, you do regret doing that. Certainly there's three or four tweets that I've done that I wish I hadn't. But um, they weren't done with any malice. Um, it, they, they were me, I'm afraid being me at the time. So I do regret the language in a couple, but none of them were done with any malice intended. What kind of conservative are you? you know, tell us a bit about your political history, when you got involved in the party, what motivated you to become a politician? I don't know what sort of um, conservative I am. I just know I am. I used to have political conversations with my father. He was one of 13 and he believed that if you worked really, really hard, you could drag yourself up in those days out of poverty and provide for your family. And that's just what he did. And he always taught me, work hard. You can do anything. You can learn by mistakes and you can improve yourself. And it was his conservatism that I loved. And going back in days, you had real characters in politics. You didn't always agree with them. Tony Benn, for an example. But they were proper characters. They weren't worried about what they were saying the whole time. The problem these days is that politicians are so hamstrung by what they can and can't say, then you're nervous because somebody will take it the wrong way. And you're losing any characters out of politics. Tell us about your professional career before you became a politician. Well, when... uh, Dad was dying when I was doing my A-levels and I should have gone back and taken that first year again. Uh, I didn't. I then did the second year. So I did the A-levels, but I didn't pass them. So I left at 18. And my father had always taught me to strip down engines. And my father, (laughs) he he started a garage. That That was his business. So I thought, right, I'll go and work in the garage, which I actually really loved. Although at that time, women didn't often do that, but I, I I loved it. Anyway, so I really enjoyed that. And then I got married to a hairdresser who decided that he'd love his own business, which was fine. I, I hadn't run a business before. He, by his own admission, would never go near books or anything. So I learned how to do wages and, and run a business. And I was still working in the garage at the time. But then I decided I'd move over, learn quite a bit of the hairdressing as well as running the business. So I then did that. So I'm not a typical Tory <laughs> in that respect. It's not Oxford all the way, etc. And finally, Dan Korski. Who is he and what does he stand for? Dan Korski is currently a tech entrepreneur. He sort of runs a business or probably several businesses, we believe, a primarily that essentially seem to help fund uh, sort of tech startups. He's a sort of great blue sky thinker. He used to work in Downing Street when David Cameron was Prime Minister and Dan was his Deputy Chief of Policy. But anyway, let's hear Dan sort of in his own words. This is what he would like to do as Mayor. I'm a technology entrepreneur. I'm a businessman. I'm somebody who's built businesses here and overseas and created hundreds of jobs for Londoners. But I also have experience from government. Seven years ago, I worked for David Cameron in government. And I've got experience from community work because I've worked very hard in my community, both the Jewish community from where I come, but also uh, London's broader community, building civic organizations. So I'm, I'm a businessman. I'm someone with politics. 
uh, in my background and, and government experience. I'm bringing all that together. And, and I think Londoners should vote for me if they get the chance, um, because I'm offering uh, a return to what I'm calling the London dream, this idea that we can live in a fantastic city. Uh, and I'm going to bring a sort of positive, aspirational uh, vision to how we can get back to that London dream, which for too many people has just become too hard to live. And, and the story really is, is my own. I, I came to the city to live the London dream, and I want more people to do so too. Can you tell us a bit about your personal backstory, you know, where you were born, when you came to London, what you've been doing since you worked in Downing Street? For sure, for sure. Uh, I was born in Denmark, but I, I'm really of Polish heritage. My parents were kicked out of communist Poland back in the 60s, and I eventually came here in, in 97. And the reason I came here was uh, I was taken on a trip uh, when I was 10 years old, and I was just so overawed by, by the city of London, and I just knew I needed to live in London. I only wanted to be a Londoner. And it took me a while until I had the right to decide for myself. And then I came here in 97, uh, and I just found myself a home in a way that I haven't found a home anywhere else. And so, you know, that's really my story. I'm an immigrant. I'm a child of, of refugees. And in, in that way, I think I'm a 21st century Londoner. I am what London is today. I sound like what London is today, uh, digital native, entrepreneur, immigrant. Uh, and that's really kind of how best to, de- to describe me. And you say, well, what did you do? Uh, I left Downing Street uh, seven years ago, uh, and I just had this itch to build businesses uh, what's so fantastic in this city is if you have an idea, you can very quickly get money together, great people to coalesce around you, and you'll get a shot at building a product or a service that people really want. Uh, and that's what I went off and, and I've been doing for the last seven years. To move on to the sort of policies that you've announced so far, uh, one that you've said is that in terms of the U.S. expansion, you would cancel that. But interestingly as well, you've also raised the the thought of sort of moving to a sort of paper mile road charging system. Can you explain a bit more why you think that would be a good idea? First of all, let's start with ULES. You know, ULES, the extension absolutely has has to be junked. And the reason is very simple. It's a it's a money-making initiative. It isn't intended to really clean the air or address CO2 emissions. There's a tiny proportion of diesel cars on the roads. They'll basically get off the road in the next couple of years anyway. And the number is so small that it's simply not credible to believe that it has a massive impact on health in the city. What putting the ULES extension down will definitely have an impact on is you know, household budgets. And if you are, um, you know, a hardworking family, reliant on your car, having to drive in and out of the city, you, you might be able to, you might have to spend a thousand pounds a year in order to drive in. And that may be driving your elderly parents to the GP or yourself to work. I'm a businessman. You know, you don't have unlimited amount of money. You have to ask yourself, how do I get the furthest with the smallest amount of money? Then we don't have to raise taxes. Then we don't have to burden people. And the answer to that is, if you want to clean up the air in the city, let's clean up the tube air, which is far more polluted than anything above ground. Let's clean up construction sites where diesel generators are creating a much bigger air pollution problem than cars. And let us not you know, burden uh, people uh, who have to drive in. And just finally, you know, if you do win the selection, you then have the challenge of defeating Sadiq Khan you will have to appeal to many Londoners beyond the Tory heartlands to have a chance of actually coming first there in that race. Any chance, surely, does London really want a Tory? I think that this city is tired of Sadiq Khan. They think he's mismanaged the city, and they're really disappointed. They're disappointed in his mismanagement. They want a different kind of politics. They want a different kind of leadership in City Hall. And I don't think that is... Uh, something to do with party color 
or where they live in the city. They want something different. They want somebody to restore this London dream that I've talked about. And they want somebody who has the track record and ideally hasn't been tainted by you know, London politics to come and fix it. And I think I'm the right person to do that. You can read more about this story and others on our website, standard.co.uk. And that's it from this episode of The Leader. This podcast will be back tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.